final countdown to Buenos Aires 2018. I'm Ed Hula. Welcome to this edition of Around the Rings Radio. The third edition of the Youth Olympic Games are just over one month away. Buenos Aires will be the first nation in South America, indeed the Americas, to host the YOG. It's a dynamic city with a youthful vibe. And these games will be the first to deconstruct, so to speak, with no new venues built. There will be extensive use of existing facilities and public spaces with engagement and interaction defining the experience between the teenaged athletes and the spectators. Joining us today is Gerardo Verthein, IOC member, Argentina NOC president, and the leader of the organizing committee about to stage the Games in October. I spoke with him August 16th about the final weeks to the Games, and he told me preparations are nearly finished. That uh, what we're doing is very much in line for the benefit of the future Games, and it's a big game changer what we have done, and it's very important that this is clearly understood by the rest of the world, and is clearly the new path where we're going because we just see a magnificent opportunity for the future. Oh, it is. Um, you know, tell me for, first to hear, with less than two months to go, what needs to be done to, to get Buenos Aires ready for the Youth Olympic Games? Well, I would say that all the construction is finished and done. At this time, we are in the process of installing all the overlay. And according, I can say, we are on time, on schedule, and it doesn't look, uh, we just need to wait uh, the due date to come. But at this time, we are, we finished already, uh, as you well know, the Olympic Village uh, six months ago. We are trying, uh, we've been trying the, the, all the complex very well. People are sleeping there. We have made all the stress tests. So by the time the... The kids arrive, they will have a very, uh, a very tested village because we remember the sad experience we had in Rio. And being these younger kids, we had to make sure that everything was not only done, but tested. And, and I can say that everything has been tested and works in perfect shape, the Olympic village. And this how, is one part. And how does this compare with the past two Youth Olympic Games in terms of construction and infrastructure, how much preparation was needed? Uh, in, re in reality, uh, we were very, uh, uh, I would say, the beauty about this project, that this became a project of all the city to develop the south part, and this was a habitational complex that was developed uh, in the south of the city together with other six and seven complex that are being all around the city. We put the complex for sale. Uh, the complex, uh, we had an incredible amount of offers. At uh, the very last time, we had uh, 10 contracts for each apartment. So I can say that it's already assigned. And uh, this is uh, looked as a habitational complex that is going to be lent for the use of the athletes during the games. And then it's going to go to the hands of the new owners. So regarding the investment in the Olympic Village, it's already, uh, I would say, done, finished, and uh, the city is uh, recovering their investment because it's already assigned. So nothing to be done there. All the furniture is already in the village, even the covers and the pillows and everything is in place. 
uh, every service that has to be uh, provided is already in place. And uh, the only thing that is being built at the time, because it's done through overlay, which is the, the dining room, the dining room is being built together with the kitchen. But I would say that is completely done. And what about the sports facilities? Anything big need to be done there? Well, uh, as uh, we, what we did is we did uh, an Olympic Park, the Youth Olympic Park, which is exactly across the street from the Olympic Village. And uh, it's a new park of, I would say, the last generation uh, equipment is being built with the concept of uh, sustainability. It's been built with a concept of low maintenance. And it's a beautiful installation, but it's nothing. Uh, there is no uh, white elephants. You will see it when you arrive. You will see that the construction is very well designed, very nice, but easy to maintain. And everything that was built in this project has an owner for the day after of the game. So we don't have the issue that we will see. We build this and then we'll figure out what we do. Everyone knows what we're going to do with each of the facilities. And basically what you... But the, the other thing that you will find is that around a little bit over 50% of the athletes of the whole games will compete in the Olympic Park. So this means that they will go walking distance from their apartments to the competition, eh, around 50 to 55% of the athletes. So uh, it's really a very convenient uh, scheme. And uh, also this area has the beauty that it's communicated with uh, through the BRT, which we will use as an Olympic lane during the games times. And this uh, helps to communicate with the downtown of the city in around less than 30 minutes. So it's, it's really very convenient for all the athletes who are going to be competing in other ones, other clusters of the games. Yeah, you talked about uh, making sure everything is okay for the for the kids, as you call them. They are teenage children. And there's a certain responsibility that comes with your organizing committee that maybe is not as great as it is with the Olympic Games, but taking care of the young people. Uh, what, do, what, what extra steps or what measures are you taking to make sure everybody's safe, happy, and healthy for the period of the Games? Well, well of course, we have a, a roadmap. Where are they going to move? Uh, what are their schedule? when they leave the village, when they arrive, and how is every uh, activity that is programmed is already in a, in a plan. So, uh, so we know where the, where the youngsters are going to be during the day, when they go to see a competition, where they will eat, where they have lunch, where they will have dinner. Uh, we are uh, administrating everything that if everyone is going to go in, uh, would say, uh, after competition to go in a tour, is, this is already been organized and we have the people who are going to join because they cannot be by themselves. So I think we have a pretty tight schedule and we have a pretty tight plan for all these uh, athletes to be able to see, to leave the games, but uh, with the necessary support needed for the uh, people of that age. How do you think uh, Porteños, the people of Buenos Aires, will react, participate? in the games? What's, what's your feeling for how they're dealing with it? Well, game? I can tell you a few things. We opening the accreditation uh, procedure and uh, we open to register. As you know, the system 
to attend the games, we will use a special uh, wristbands that they will have an intelligent chip that will give you access to the different venues. In order to obtain that, you have to register online and you will be screened. And uh, by the moment that uh, today, we have more than 400,000 requests for, uh, for for the wristbands so in which around 200,000 comes from uh, students from school and 200,000 to the public, and we're just starting. So it looks that it's going to be a lot of people. Regarding our survey of approval, Buenos Aires people have a 90% approval regarding these, uh, these games. And what I can tell you is we started last week the torch tour, and we're going to the cities, and every time... Uh, I would say uh, the torch is passing. In a small city, we have 70,000, 80,000 people gathering in the, in the square of the city. And uh, the, the attitude of the people to the torch is to look in silence and clap. Everybody's so proud of having these games and having the Olympic torch that uh, you see that we call it the torch of the unity because uh, from time to time, and we have some issues uh, regarding politics, as we always do, but when it comes to the games, everybody's together, and you can see people coming from different uh, uh, ideas, politically, whatever. Everybody with the torch, everybody's together. So it's been very a great experience. I have uh, participated myself, and uh, when we do the torch relay from the cities, you can see the people uh, clapping and going around, and you arrive to squares with 80, 90, 100,000 people, and with one sole attitude is to clap and uh, proudness. So, you know, all people, young people, uh, girls and boys, it's really, really a lot of consensus, not only in the Porteños, but I would say in the population in general. Well, what has staging this event meant to the Argentina NOC? It's a huge project. But what does it mean for the committee? Well, well uh, as you know, Ed, uh, Argentina has tried consistently to get the games. Uh, and uh, before that, we tried all for the adult games, and we were not successful. So this was a big uh, commitment that we took when we bid for these games, because, uh, first of all, we thought that the games, in the mind of some people, were uh, with some kind of a doubt, So we not only took the game to organize them, but we also took the games as an idea to customize them, looking to the future. Which are the games of the future? What are the changes that we have to make? And looking at the reality, which games need to be urban, needs to be closer to the people, and we have to go where the people are rather than trying to push the people where we compete. And this is why we developed the concept of the opening ceremony in the street, and we, we expect, you know, several hundred thousand people to participate in this opening ceremony in a way that is very inclusive. And every neighbor from the city of Buenos Aires has to have, has to have the feeling that he's the host and he's part of it. So uh, the other thing that you will see is uh, when you come here that all the competition is divided by parks. So we go where people normally go to practice sports and we put together with overlay all the competition venues inside the parks. So this is the games that we go where the people are rather than bringing the people to stadiums. We don't believe very much 
in the concept of spending incredible amounts of money building stadiums that probably in the future don't have uh, a clear use. So this is a this has been a tremendous challenge for the NOC and from all our team to create a concept that was sustainable, that it didn't cost much, so we can have other organizers to be able to host the games. And part of the legacy, very important legacy, is the new concept of the games. So this has been a really uh, a very big uh, challenge. The other part is we had to develop a way of communicating with the youngsters, with them and among them. And we needed to have an approach because people don't like anymore the concept that uh, they see something and they cannot answer. They want interactivity. So we developed uh, an enormous project of a digital platform which will allow us to communicate with all the youngsters and among them. We will have uh, different communities of interest. We will be able for them to interact with all of us, and I think this is also a very big, uh, a very big legacy because this will be after we finish the games. This will be given to the next organizer, so we don't have to start. You know, instead of starting again from scratch, if we go ten steps up the ladder and we build something, it's better to give it to the next one and start from there and keep building it up. So, uh, communications and digital way of communication is the name of the game as well. Uh, of, of the Youth Olympic Games and, and the games in general. So it's been a really big challenge. And, and this time for South America, the Youth Olympic Games are first, and the 2022 Youth Olympic Games are set for Africa, four cities in consideration there. Um, is this a good strategy for the IOC? And the kind of games that you're putting together in Argentina, can they be brought to Africa, as you were saying without white elephants, in a sustainable way? Well, I think the only way they can be brought to Africa is with a concept like this, urban and without white elephants. And, and when you see, uh, you, have, you cannot build what you don't have use for. Uh, it doesn't make sense if you build a pool and you try to put trillions for 15,000 people when you know you're going to use with 2,000. So when, when you look at our uh, uh, aqua center, we have a wonderful pool, but there's no stands. The stands we will put with overlay, and the place for the stands is there, but we don't have to maintain something that is not sustainable. And, and the idea to build, uh, I would say, temporary uh, fields of play is another great idea. So this will allow countries... I would say less developed to be able to host the games because we have to uh, to find a way uh, to lower our cost. And regarding the villa, the villa, the Olympic Village, of course, in, because the Olympic Village is not a project to be uh, funded by the games because it's a habitational project that is used during the games for the athletes. So I think this is a, a an approach that will work. And we haven't built one stadium for these games. Not even one stadium we have built for the games. We are using exactly what we have. And uh, what we didn't have, we are basically using overlay and temporary structures. What if it went like this for the Olympic Games? Do you think there would be less pushback from the public, less concern from the government if the games were operated under a business model such as this for the Youth Olympics?
Well, uh, we have to make a clear difference, which is the contribution. Uh, when you look at the operative cost of the games and you look at the contribution of the IOC plus ticketing and sponsorship, the cost of the games is basically funded by that amount of money, uh, although we have to think that we have to simplify the organization of the games. We have to lower the cost. We don't have to push or stimulate to create new, new stadiums because after the time, those stadiums don't have a use. Uh, so uh, I think that anything that can be done temporary with overlay and you know that you don't distrust, uh, you don't construct or you don't uh, afterwards dismantle something that has no use, you just built what you need uh, is the name of the game. And the other thing is to be urban. The people appreciate very much that we go uh, with the sports to the streets. And look at the concept of Paris 2022, where a lot of venues are going to take place in the streets. 24, I'm sorry, Paris 2024. A lot of venues are already being taught to be done in the streets. People love this. And it doesn't cost much because you do it with overlay. What would this a successful Youth Olympic Games in Buenos Aires, what would that do to the chances, the, the, the hopes of Argentina to host an Olympic Games one day down the road? I, I would say that we are a, a very realistic team and we took the challenge to organize the Youth Olympic Games and I think we have to show uh, to the world that we're able to deliver this with success, with a clear budget and with a good uh, legacy for the future. Once we do this and we do it right and people appreciate it and uh, my colleagues Argentinians, Argentinians are happy and proud of this, then we can go to the next step. But we are very focused on delivering this rather than trying to think. Of course, the dreams are always open. October is, uh, I guess, springtime for Argentina, changing from winter into summer. Uh, so the weather should be pretty good there. If, say, someone who is listening and is wondering, well, what about going to Argentina, to Buenos Aires, to experience, see the Youth Olympic Games? Uh, what kind of uh, invitation, what kind of experience would you think uh, visitors would have? Well, it's one of the best because it's one of the best times to come to Argentina. Argentina has become a destiny for many, many, many events, not only the games. Imagine one, one month later we have the G20 in Argentina, and from here to October we have many events before. But it's the best time of the year to come. The temperature normally is very nice. All the parks and all the city is green. The flowers are coming out. And, and I, I would say, I, I would say you will find a very good, uh, a very good experience. The only advice is uh, make your reservations on time for hotels, because it might be a very crowded, a very crowded time of the year. Uh, away from the Youth Olympic Games, just a couple of questions about the the IOC uh, for you to think about here. Um, the IOC is about to go through a, a significant change in its membership as uh, members retire across the next 10 years, uh, a new generation about to, to take its place on the IOC. Um, we see that with the new members who are nominated uh, this year in, in particular. Um, what, can, what, do you, what do you say about the, 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 
the old guard. And that's almost really you, you because uh, in 10 years or so, you'll be stepping down from the IOC. What kind of, uh, what kind of IOC is developing with these new members being elected and chosen? Well, first of all, I think the new IOC is being developed by the leadership of the president, who's really leading, leading us to the new era of the IOC. And that changes are already uh, in place, especially with implementation of 2020. I think uh, it's a great idea to incorporate new people, young bloods, and uh, the sooner the better, because then they can get the experience. And uh, we together uh, work with the new ones to take the IOC to this new new world that is coming, a new world that will have a lot of different challenges. The way we communicate, the way we interact with our fans, with our people, is changing dramatically, where digital is going to be one of the key things. So uh, I also like the idea of this open mind of the IOC to incorporate in people that can uh, bring uh, new talents in the different areas. So I think that the approach that the IOC has for new members is quite appropriate. And you're chairman of an IOC commission, which didn't exist five years, ten years ago, Digital and Technology Commission. Why is this worthy of a commission? What do you do that makes it so important uh, for the IOC? Well, uh, I remember when I was appointed chairman of Radio and TV Commission, I was given the task to develop that. And I remember I went back to them. I said, I think we should give this, this, uh, this work to a team of people that we have, which has great capabilities, which was OBS. It's not worth to have a commission of Radio and TV. So I, as chairman, proposed to dissolve the commission. Uh, some years later, and taking in account how important is the role in the, of the IOC in the digital world, in the social media, and how technology can impact all of this, uh, I believe that the president of the IOC thought that this was a very important project for the IOC, and I had the pleasure to be approached by him to chair this commission to develop a new digital strategy for the IOC that implies uh, many things, uh, interaction with communication, social media, technology for the games, which is the, the, the way of coming with recommendations that can reduce the cost of organizing the games because technology, as you well know, has a very big impact in the cost of the games. So I think it's really worth, and, and we, are, we have a very good uh, uh, commission composition, and I think we takes a lot of time, but we are very happy and we think we will make a good contribution. The digital technology may one day take over radio and TV as we know it. As you say, there is no more radio TV commission. Digital is the way we communicate. Well, uh, basically because we have such a great team in OBS that I think they are very capable of managing this and they do it in very good shape. But digital already has taken over. Look at the impact of the social media and how many people interact in all these uh, in, in all these media give you an example. I was talking with the people of Google and they were telling me that they were interacting some time ago almost with 3 billion people a day. So imagine the, 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 the strength of all this. So uh, we have to look in the future uh, being a player in this area because remember that our fans, uh, the old ones get older and the young ones who were kids or millennials start to be uh, 
older as well. So we have to adapt to the circumstances and uh, follow the trend of the world. And the world, the new trend is digital. And, you know, you saw that even what we learn in school, it becomes old the, the next year. So the, the, the educational programs will change dramatically. The way schools were structured will change dramatically because the knowledge grows so fast that we have to be sure that we teach the kids knowledge that they can use. You are a member of the uh, Board of Directors of Olympic Broadcasting Services. Uh, the, the chair, uh, Dick Pound, will, will, will not serve um, any longer. Um, there's talk that you may be able to step into that role as chairman of OBS. Any inside word on whether that will happen? We will wait till the Olympic Foundation makes their meetings and take a decision. And after that decision is taken, we will comment on that. Sounds like a, a safe answer there, Gerardo Wertheim. <laughs> well, it's, it's true. It's a safe answer, but it's, as far as I can go, it's not to me to, to make a statement regarding that, that matter because uh, it's to the Olympic Foundation to make those decisions. Right, right. Well, very best of luck in these next weeks to come as you head towards the Youth Olympic Games in Buenos Aires. Thank you. Thank you, Ed, and thank you to your, always for your support towards the Olympic movement. Gerardo Verthein spoke to Around the Rings August 16th about the Buenos Aires Youth Olympic Games. Those games run from October 6th to 18th, and Around the Rings will be there to tell you all about it. Thanks for joining us on this edition of ATR Radio. I'm Ed Hula. Your best source of news about the Olympics is AroundTheRings.com.